I'm Jared. I'm tall. And welcome to A Cup of Tea. Everyone's intelligence has been shaped by distinct personal experiences. If you're curious to shed light on both humanity's collective and intimate truths, then take a seat with an open mind and a full glass as we examine reality through the blurry lens of our own individual perspectives. Have an ice cold sip while we talk about non-monogamy. Relationships, especially those of the romantic variety, are very complex in nature and can be quite challenging to navigate sometimes, even though what intrigues me about these romantic relationships that a lot of people lust after or want and desire is that they can come in all different shapes and sizes, just as human beings do as well. And that is what I wanted to focus on today's episode is looking at two prominent dynamics of relationships, steeps monogamy and non-monogamy. And what do those represent for different individuals? And why this is an iced tea today is because it, it's looking at something that is very intimate to both myself and Tall, who's joining me on today's episode to talk about two very different points of view on romantic relationships. So thank you for coming aboard to a cup of tea once again, Tall. And just to let all the steeps out there know, this is the first time we are recording live together in the same room. So post-COVID, this is a lovely opportunity. Oh, this is an absolutely fantastic opportunity. Um, and for any wandering traveler stopping by listening, uh, you will know that um, I recently had an oral surgery <laughs> and I'm currently doing my best to speak through uh, an empty tooth. Um, <laughs> But uh, I wanted to give uh, the, the fellow steeples out there uh, a little warning at the beginning here that uh, you're just going to have to bear with it and deal with it. We're going to have fun with it. Man, you know, for the next few months, I'm going to be <laughs> talking a little funny here. So I'm, as always, I'm just so, first of all, happy to be in person, like you said, mm -hmm. um, especially with uh, uh, some of the transitions going on in my personal life, you know, getting ready to move, really to be yeah. able to have an opportunity to come back here and have a moment to sit down with you and uh, have Absolutely. a conversation is a truly a delight. And I'm happy to be joined by the traveler in the steeple. And of course <laughs> you to, uh, awesome. to be here in this iced tea and enjoy a nice, nice, nice glass on a, on a definitely a warm day outside. Yeah. I was going to say it's getting a little warm out there, steeps and travelers. Whoa. So make sure to fill up that glass. Stay with, hydrated. Ain't no joke. <laughs> with some iced tea because uh, you, I, I would recommend drinking a cold beverage in the summer, but especially make sure you're throwing in plenty of water because that is so important in the summer. It pretty much practically anywhere, unless you live in like Antarctica or something. So, and even then you should still be drinking water, I would think. You know, humans need yeah, water. I mean, or, or at least, you know, not drinking the yellow snow at least, right? You know, <laughs> whatever that might yeah. be. Yeah, let's not, let's not get too much into detail. <laughs> <laughs> but it is lovely to be joined with you tall by my side we haven't done this in so long since i was on your podcast the descend to illumination we did a, a mini series um and that's the last time we got to record together in person so this is awesome and i hope we get to do this again sometime in the future i uh, know hopefully uh well like you said we get to do it on some um like you said there's some talks about hopefully on some of our adventurers doing it at some different locations and stuff like that too so we have uh, there's some definitely list. some uh, long-term project ideas in the work for that stuff so definitely definitely hopeful for that absolutely so just to set the table for today's episode tall how how would you lead into this topic like what are 
Like, what are your thoughts on today's discussion? What expectations do you want to set with the Steeps and the yeah. Travelers? I think that's a really good point of reference because um, um, I think it's a person, uh, I think a good way to frame this reference is to first frame my identi- uh, our identity and how we identify mm-hmm. and where we're coming from because this is a very personal conversation. And it's going to obviously lead to some inherent biases. Mm-hmm. We want to be upfront about that. Yeah, and, you know, because, you know, if you're the average listener right now, it sounds like you're just listening to two uh, cis men talk to you about these different <laughs> things, right? Right. Um, cis, probably cis heteronormative white men, you know, and that mm-hmm. we both have different cultural identifications in that in different ways, right? Yeah, and I, I do want to also say to everyone listening to this podcast, we are being very vulnerable. Yes. With our experiences and our, um, just how we feel about, the topic at hand so this is a very deep discussion yeah so as always you know um do our best to make sure this is a safe place for anyone who might be listening to in on that and you know to ourselves as well please treat it with the respect you deserve if anyone has any kind of feelings and, and needs someone to talk to you know or need resources you know we'll do our best if you need to reach out and to get you connected to that stuff mm-hmm. you know that's always um, i believe in that radical inclusion making these safe places and it does require a little bit of honest vulnerability it does um and we're not therapists no but we can definitely you know help put out that positive message in the world that's so desperately we can at least share our experience yes and And i think that's valuable for some people and to at least frame this right now so i am uh um i identify as non-binary um that's a more or less a a more recent transition obviously Mm -hmm. as you as uh, as you're aware um, I do go by they, them pronouns and everything like that, um, you know, with a name change to tall and everything like that to mm-hmm. be part of my expression. Mm-hmm. And I want um, people to understand a big reason um, why I personally went through that transition is because honestly of intrinsic spirituality and non-duality. And um, something I talk about a lot on The Descent, we've talked about a lot, mm-hmm. and um, really trying to understand what are conscious created thought patterns and what is you know, quote unquote real and the difference between biological expression and gender expression and all those different things has been something that I've been really interested in, obviously, and trying to research and understand better myself. And realistically, one of the honest answers is it came down to the idea of when I was trying to think, well, if most schools, a lot of these schools of thought think that you can only be a man to be enlightened. Well, there's the dichot- there's a, you just created a duality. So now yeah. this is a gendered construct we're talking about mm-hmm. here where we've created something at yeah. this point and mm-hmm. it was really at that kind of moment where i stopped identifying in you know really like this duality kind of concept on that because if i'm being honest you know i'm very feminine parts of my personality that i, mm-hmm. I love feeling pretty i love you know and all these different little things and everything mm-hmm. like that being flamboyant being extra and all these different things that are typically labeled in that in our society is different things that make me so wholesomely happy yes but then at the same time I love being that, you know, big, scary, loud, proud ally, right? Mm-hmm. And everything like that, too. I love, you know, my boy things that are considered masking and everything like that. So I have part of my identity that are in the, both of these different expressions. So why am I mm-hmm. limiting myself to something that I don't connect with? Yes. That doesn't make sense with me on a emotional, logical, or spiritual level. Why Absolutely. am I confining myself to something like that? And that's ultimately what really led to me figuring out my expression of like, no, it's not this gender thing. And... I really wanted to be this unique expression with the people that I connect with and have that those trusted relationships with, whether it be my friends or partners, right? And I identify um, then um, even farther, more so as uh, demisexual, which would means basically it's all about connection, right? Yeah. I uh, I don't really care who my partner is. 
in terms of gender in, in regards of what really matters to me is the connection we make with them. Now, in my personal experience, I'm not typically attracted to more male people in, mm -hmm. in general. The exception to the rule of that is, is my best friends that are men. Because yeah. once they mm -hmm. become that level of friends and have, share that level of intimacy, then I get my crushes. Then I'm like, oh my God, you are my favorite person in the world. And I want to, like, I think you're gorgeous. And I just want to be like, you know, even if I'm not um, physically attracted to that, it becomes very much this emotional relationship for me where, you mm -hmm. know, positive relationships, positive male friendships and everything like that. And you can, and, yeah. it's, and for me, it is an intimate relationship, right? Yeah. It is something that I have and I consider it, you know, and it's different levels of partnerships, right? Yeah. And I think that's another disclaimer that we can add during this episode is that relationships come in all different types. Yeah. Like I think people always think of, you know, romantic versus platonic relationships, but there's so much more to that. There, it's a spectrum, and and even beyond that, it's kind of like a a color wheel of well, different you, you, possibilities. You, you just actually remind me something of that because that's something that's not how I think of it. I that is I I, I have, that is something I have had to learn and change my thinking on, and I've luckily had a lot of really pe strong people help me come to that understanding. Is what you just said. It's I view it as I don't view any of my relationships. Um, as uh, different in that sense. They're all just relationships I have with people. Now, obviously ones I have are a lot more intimate and my, my close personal, like, you, right. know, you know, with my partners and everything like that, that's mm -hmm. different. There's different destinations to that. Yes. But intrinsically, it's all, every, friendships, um, platonic, uh, sexual hookups, um, long committed relationships, acquaintances, these are all just still relationships with people. Yeah. And that's how I try to view it, is how am I having a relationship with this person whether it's even if they're not my friends, even my enemy people I don't like, you know, yeah. it's still a relationship I have with them. It's just adversarial. It's all different flavors of spices in the spice rack, yeah. right? Yes, yeah, different ways to uh, to experience it. Mm -hmm. Different ways to experience that, you know, different ways to frame it, different ways to go about it, right? And yeah. you know, um, I think that the biggest thing is not only is it trying to figure out what is your authentic thing, but what's the health being healthy. Yes. Because, like, that's, I, I want to always keep you in framing that it takes a lot of hard work, and this, I truly believe this world does not support being healthy. I think that it's an active choice to be healthy in this world. Yes. Um, yes. And I think that couching all of it and just trying your best to be healthy in whatever that expression is, because I know that part of my expression can be very intoxic in place because I'm a human. And sometimes I do fucked up things, right? But, like, mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that they're not coming from real places of emotions to like that. So uh, understanding that yeah, I can still do mean things coming from an authentic place means that I just want to make sure I'm doing my expression in the healthiest way possible and yes. showing up and that's true to me and respectful of other people too. It's a mutual thing. I want to be respected just as I want to treat players with respect. That golden rule that we are all taught in from forever and you know, in kindergarten or whatever, right? Do unto others as you want done to yourself. <laughs> Try to be a decent person. Yeah. Very, very good points. And Really, first and foremost, Tal, I really want to thank you for being so vulnerable yeah. about who you are and sharing that with the audience because that is very valuable to today's discussion. And I will share more about myself as well. I am someone that I regard myself as a cisgender mm -hmm. male. And actually, sometimes that can be challenging for even me because I feel like my position is like stereotypically the one that is put on this pedestal in society and I don't feel like it's fair. I don't feel like it's warranted that, you know, people are seen as, okay, people that identify as this way are somehow better than people that identify other ways. And you know, that can be a struggle because I'm somebody that 
I try to be a strong ally for people well, that... It's, it's figuring out how to use your privilege, right? It's like, mm-hmm. even though I have these identifications and I, I with my these different groups, I still could come off to the stranger as a big scary, you know, yeah. like, white dude with one tooth at night, right? <laughs> you know, so I can use yeah. it as a way to be an ally, right? And then mm-hmm. to advocate and be like, the, the, you can use that position and privilege to, like, be a better ally and stuff like that. And I think right. that you, you make it, like you said, you've always made a conscious effort to be at least inclusive to me, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I will say, steeps and travelers i am making a concerted effort to continue learning more about other people and in different lifestyles and in different identities because again you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. and i'm trying to do what i can to become a better ally but i feel like the best way to do that is to continue learning and, and growing and everything yeah. and for me again i do feel that privilege because again in society we romanticize heterosexual couples we mm-hmm we romanticize all these like white celebrities and all this stuff and and, and, again it's a patriarchal society that Mm -hmm. we live in let's not kid ourselves so i have a ginormous sense of privilege in that regard but nonetheless with that aside i am someone i'm also very comfortable with my identity because yes well real quick before you touch on that yes um what you said, you, you said something that was one of the reasons why I stopped identifying as just a cis man is because I just what the social construct that we've come up with with men now at this mm-hmm. concept I do not identify with. Like, yeah, that was a big like what you were just talking about mm-hmm. that questioning thing was a big part of my narrative and exactly that questioning is like like no that is not that's not me as a person like that yeah. whatever that construct is and where we're supposed to be men and everything like that's mm-hmm. not who I am. Yeah, and that it, it's like a way of you rem- trying to remove yourself from that this toxic association. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. For me, I again, I feel like for me the the label of being a man and my identity as a man, it it matches who I am even though I will admit that I think that for everybody their expression it can be mm-hmm. what you want it to be. As like it be. like for yeah. me as a male, I mean, I I've had some people in the past that have teased me for being, you know, metrosexual or whatever, because I'm somebody that I am very in tune to my cosmetic appearance and, you know, making sure I'm using lotion and, and all this stuff. And, you yeah, know, we moisturize out in the desert. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> we have this like, you know, perception that men should just always have like, you know, bare ashy knuckles and like calluses. You, yeah. Calluses and just unkept and throwing their clothes on the floor. You know, audience, I'm a neat freak. I I'm very organized. I, so it's like, I may identify as a male, but I, I don't identify as like you know a, a you know burly like. You have your male. own healthy expression of what a man is, and that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. I think you touched on a really important point there, is that like you have like this understanding the concept of it, and you have a healthy relationship with it. There's nothing wrong with being a man. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and there's I, there's there's a lot of really cool parts about being dudes actually, mm-hmm. and you know, and there's a lot of like if you you connect with that healthy expression with it, that's great you touched on something very important. It's having a healthy relationship with that expression. Why? Well, I just feel like how we feel about ourselves really helps us determine what fits. Like for you, I think your identification works for you because of what you described earlier, right? And I think for me, like I'm, I'm someone, I'm trying to make the case that not all men have to check these boxes. I'm like, men can also be clean. Men can also yeah. have feminine qualities, like in the sense that, you know, I may not, you know, like be getting my nails painted, but I still love a pedicure and I still love a manicure. Like I still love going to the massage parlor and I I love 
doing I love watching you know shows with my wife that a lot of men would be like oh like you watch that like you know like I recently <laughs> got I recently really got into RuPaul they my my partners finally got me it and I am I, am, I uh, really like uh, Bob the Drag Team has become my favorite it's a purse first sign as if you're in the culture you understand that's awesome um so yeah but I would not I know first of all I never watched I don't want the my the reality TV I watched as a kid was Deadliest Cash and Cash Cat <laughs> you know what I mean. So, Welcome like, to Cash Cam. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it so much. And, you know, but, like, you know, it really is. You, you adopt those mannerisms. And the thing is, like, I think ultimately, um, the I think the point that we're both really trying to make with this is, like, it's, like you said, continuing to grow, continuing mm-hmm. to understand and continuing to have better expressions and more healthy expressions and yes. um, be louder with it, be more inclusive mm-hmm. with it, be more like, no, we deserve these to be happy and not, not be in your box. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I was so interested, you know, as... Uh, the Traveler knows, and as I'm reading the Tibetan Book of the Dead in the Bardo Tholo, mm-hmm. right? I'm very interested in those concepts of like that non duality and like yes. the, just that respect and that expression and conscious thought pattern and stuff like that. So, like, mm-hmm. it's I think that ultimately it's just that reality of like we understand we deserve better and we deserve to have healthy relationships with things. I don't need to have you know be scapegoated into some um, cultural war talking yeah. point. I need to be treated as a decent human with respect. Absolutely. And even though we have different identities for ourselves, I think one thing we can agree on is that we both reject toxic masculinity because that's no place in society whatsoever. And just, I mean, any of, I mean, it's, you know, if you're, I'm, I'm a firm believer, if you, your feminism doesn't start with intersectionality, you know, you got to start someplace right that's there. another place to start right there. Yeah. So, um, I you know. truly believe in equality regardless of gender. Like, all genders should have the same opportunities, the same respect given. I do feel like that that is a, a fundamental concept to our human being, but we don't perceive it that way. No, you know? well, I mean, we have to, and that's the thing, and that's where I'm, I'm so interested in bringing down, um, instead of having top-down power structures, but bottom-up power structures, right? Um, yeah. You know, because I don't think that as long as we have, you know, systems that promote, you know, these continual, uh, just, you know, the patriarch hurts everyone, dog. It does. It does. But we're not really as I think that's a good lane for the basis of identification at least. Let's start getting into some of the nature of where you want to go with this, man. I like it. So really good introduction here. So what I have today is I have ten questions, and these questions are for both of us to kind of give the audience a better understanding of how we go about our own romantic quote unquote relationships in life. And, and this does apply to the concept of monogamy versus non-monogamy, which is going to be the focal point of today's conversation because I'm someone that I consider myself monogamous and tall, you consider yourself non-monogamous. So we have two very different points of view that these 10 questions will help shed some light on where we stand with that. Yes. So first question, I will put you on the spot here. Okay, let's do it. And the first question is, what are your thoughts on non-monogamy um, versus monogamy i think that my first thought is uh that there is very little cult- healthy cultural representation of it and i think that it is because for the most part queer lifestyles as i'm going to um, li- describe mm-hmm. it queer relationships queer dynamics uh queer identities have been repeatedly erased from history you know whether we saw at the end of world war one 
um, when we go back into ancient Jewish history with the six different gender identities that mm-hmm. existed, and then Hellenistic period of Greece and the different relationship dynamics that were had there and stuff like that, yeah. there's been a repeated history of uh, this stuff being removed. And I think that puts us culturally in a position that there is, we're continuously reinventing the wheel here. I think that non-monogamy is actually a very natural relationship dynamic, just as monogamy is. Because mm-hmm. I fundamentally believe that relationships are whatever you and your partner make it to be. Yes. And I think that's all. And I think that there's plenty healthy expressions of monogamy in that. And I think mm-hmm. there are plenty of healthy expressions of non-monogamy in that. Now, obviously, I think it's a little bit simpler in the expression of uh, dynamics in monogamy. And there's a little right. bit more of what these expressions could be in non-monogamy intrinsically. But at the same time, relationships are unique in their own individual ways. And there is no relationship that is like another one. And it is whatever those two par- uh, those two or more, or mm-hmm. however number it might be, um, partners uh, make their, those dynamics and make those agreed upon boundaries. Honestly, that's what matters. And I think that non-monogamy can be used as a space to really connect with and uh, form a community and heal. Um, I think it could be used as a place that's been uh, become uh, at times very predatory because of different online communities, just like any, and unfortunately, like yeah. online dating in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't care what cult, what part of, whether you're the uh, mono or uh, <laughs> non-mono, right. uh, it's hard. Um, and I think that people take advantage of those relationships a lot. And I think that there's a lot of stigma with it. And um, unfortunately, I really do feel like that, you know, sometimes me and my partners are trying to invent the wheel because there is no cultural representation of this. There's no real guidebooks. And it's just trying to find uh, different communities to connect with, you know, and these different individuals. And, you know, they're with no real collective community in a lot of these different regards because of the different stigmas, the different weights, and then um, the mistranslations internally and as a as a culture that we have mm-hmm. um it's really hard to uh have these spaces to have, find the representation and to actually do the do the healthy things so yeah. i think that there's a lot of people out there who are basically on these individual journeys similar to myself or just trying to figure it all out and do our best to make it as healthy as possible and trying to um, get louder about our spaces to be more inclusive and um, and luckily, you know, working with as uh, people and more, more and more people are, are having the understanding that they're queer and have different di- different identities and um, more different inclusion as we understand that we as people deserve better and to treat people with that equality. I think these things are getting louder and becoming more visible um, slowly, but I think it, yes. I think it, it is happening. Yeah, we've always been there. People have always been not been monogamous. We just we just didn't see them. <laughs> you know, I mean, just look at back all of history. Everyone fucked. Like they're all cheating <laughs> on each other. All doing all these different things. They all have mm-hmm. different concepts of gender. Like you know, looking back at like the Stonewall movement. You know, queens were you know drag queens and everything like that was basically its own gender identity. What could have been trans people? It could have been pe- uh, men who just dressed up, or it could have been. And like, if people um, you know had sex with them, they weren't gay. Right. You know, and like so. What you know, but then nowadays we all associate that as part of being a gay, you know, individual expressions in gay culture, right? Yes, you know, and stuff like that. So like, it's this thing that's been a part of history. It's just continuously been repressed around the marginalized because you know, unfortunately, of the uh, societal influences and the cultural influences we have. Yeah, Tall. I think you were spot on there. I really, I do agree with you a lot about the dynamic with monogamy versus non-monogamy, and how I feel about it is. 
I am someone that I'm curious to hear your point of view on non-monogamy because I don't have this exposure to it. I don't have this lens into what all these intricacies and details are because being someone that identifies as monogamous and having monogamy, you know, basically displayed in the media everywhere, that's really all you know. And you know of non-monogamous relationships because you see some examples out there, whether it's on social media or, you know, you know somebody but you don't really get to like peer into that relationship and see how does it really work? Like if you're going behind the grandfather clock and seeing what makes those wheels turn in that relationship dynamic, for us, we're just like me and a lot of the masses that identify as monogamous or they don't know, like we don't, we don't understand the inner workings of the, those relationships. So and it's something that is very much needing light shed on it. No, it's very much one of those things where in my you know, daily interactions when, because I am relatively open about it, you know, I'm very much am that other eyes with it very often eyes and I have to basically justify the existence of my relationships to a lot of different people and yeah. um, it's exhausting and, you know, luckily with the people um, I have, because I do look like a big cis white man, I do have certain, <laughs> there's stigmas with that and I have, yeah. you know, like really take the time to talk about it and be like, no, that's not how these things are and like these realities, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, I do think that it's because, like, there hasn't been a lot of, you know, like I said, for a lot of different reasons, there hasn't been representation, there is not a lot of exposure, um, and, you know, I do not speak for the entire non-monogamous community. I speak for my expressions exactly. and my experience. Just like I can't speak for everyone who is monogamous, because as we're going to go through in these questions, everyone has different relationships, because they're different people, and there's different constraints mm -hmm. and expectations and values in a relationship. So, for me, again, I'm just somebody that that I, I don't know what I don't know, and I am looking forward to having this conversation because even though I'm firmly monogamous, I am not one of those people that runs from something that I don't understand all the details. I want to run to and figure out, mm -hmm. okay, who are these people? Why do they feel this way? What can I do to help support them? And be an ally right in in the community that it's like you know we're educated so we can you know speak positively to these things rather than how society tries to tear people down that don't identify with the mainstream and you see a bias when any man and woman are hanging out together it's like th there's this implication that that could lead to some type of heterosexual monogamous relationship but that's not always the case we definitely need to be more open-minded than that yeah, and I don't, I don't want to, like, sit out here and claim that, like, everyone's going to go out there and start swinging and be in non-monogamous oh, relationships yeah. or anything like that, and that everyone should have to adapt to some crazy, inclusive, radical, whatever. No, mm -hmm. no. All we're asking is, like, treat everyone with the same respect that you treat everyone else's relationships with. Like, yes. you know, just that's all it is, is I think fundamentally it just comes about to humanizing the other person and that empathy, right? Like, mm -hmm. treat people with just that basic respect of, like, how you would treat someone else within their relationship, right? And I think yeah. that's, that's fundamentally where a lot of it starts for me. Yes, absolutely. And that's how we're, like, that's the foundation of this conversation here yeah. and just respecting boundaries and everything. All right, so question two, Tall, is how and when did you know that you were non-monogamous? You know, it probably, I probably really started that journey in my early, early 20s is really where I really started experiencing that because I was someone who, um, like I said, you know, I, figuring out my identity was something that was a really struggle point. And I went through periods of really a lot of confusion and like in that and where there was periods of time where I really didn't date for a long period of time. 
and um, at times where I would go through and just have a lot of partners but no dating and just have a lot of intimate experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of those hookups and everything like that, right? And really find, and trying to figure out myself and I think that it was in some point when I was, you know, I was talking to a friend when I was in AA, you know, about, you know, at the time when I was going through, when I had a couple different, um, you know, just uh, physical partners, right? No, no, no one I was seriously dating, but you know, like friends of benefits, and you know, thing, thing people I was having, you know, friendly with, and you know, you know friends, friends of benefits, partners that you know, nothing, no expectations yes. with, but you know, I had, I was having a couple different relationships of that that nature at that time, and I was talking with someone in um, AA who um, was more familiar with non-monogamy as a concept than I was, and was like talking, and she was like, you know, you're talking about a lot of these different things that remind me of these kind of little, you know, poly things and stuff like that, because my introduction <laughs> was with polyamory and everything mm -hmm. like that. That's the only thing I'd really ever heard of. Uh, beforehand and um, you know and I was like oh maybe that is part of my identity and you know because I was finding a lot of I do find that because I'm such a uh, in my intimate settings I'm a really big social butterfly mm -hmm. and when I have to deal with the public and people I'm like, the biggest introvert in the world and I hate and I don't like I don't like it right but like yeah. with my as you know when I'm with my intimate people I am just so expressive and super over mm -hmm. the top right so and it was I was finding that having that connection of having those, those multiple people like that really was doing something for me, right? And I was yeah. like, oh shit, I'm I'm having some of my needs met here in a way that I didn't really think possible, right? And it's been an evolution since then. Um, you know, going into I now identify more more along the lines of a relationship anarchist, um, which basically means like plain and simple, it's what I make my relationships, right? And mm -hmm. it's happened with the commitments I make with the my most intimate people. That has been a hard transition, though, to get to that point, um, because, like I said, not, with not a lot of representation, it's hard really um, to connect with something outside of reading different definitions for it. You know, you know, right? And that doesn't really reading a definition doesn't equate to my experience, <laughs> right? Yeah, I need to actually go out and have it do it. And unfortunately, you know, in my it, it, that took a lot of challenges in my in my partnerships and to get to that point. Um, and um, a lot of hurt and a lot of drama in a lot of different ways to get there. But, right. you know, at the same time, you know, um, from, like I said, when I probably when I got, you know, sober, you know, at 19 um, and then to now, you know, almost a decade later, you know, it's probably been just that journey of just to really get to a point of me being like, yeah, I'm comfortably I have these identifications of being a relationship anarchist and. Um, you know, and what that means to me in these different expressions, right? Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a, a, you know, honestly, the combination of getting sober and really having to figure out, you know, wh who I am and, you know, uh, and uh, having to heal myself again and then slowly get introduced to other concepts. Um, that is what it took for me, at least. And, Tall, you are coming up on your nine-year anniversary of sobriety, oh, right? I mean, yes. I've been, um, obviously, I've chosen to go in some other directions with that, my own personal, um, with all substances, but at least mm -hmm. off of uh, my personal addiction of methamphetamine, the one that uh, will always get me to my core. I have, um, coming up, yes, off of nine years off of that, I'm, I'm very proud of that. That's awesome. I am super proud of it. Are you kidding me? Like, I was 19-year-old homeless mm -hmm. and uh, with nothing to do in the world and walking back like, to my mom's house and be like, I need help. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and to come to that point, to the transitions I'm at now, I'm yeah, it, it took a lot, and you know, I if, if uh, you're ever a kid, you don't do math. You, you, <laughs> there's no need to do math. And great advice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you smoke weed, you drink or anything like that, get, get you know, make sure you're, you're doing it at proper age and in a healthy respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree with that 100. percent And and thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That is always. awesome, and I, I always celebrate you for your accomplishments. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, you've been part of that journey, my friend. Thank you.
a proud footnote, I guess. <laughs> oh no, right. more so than a full, more so than a footnote. You've been an active participant at more than more than crucial junctions. What are you well, talking about? Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I guess next I'll, I'll give my take with me being monogamous. Yeah. So, I actually, funny enough, I wouldn't say I truly knew that I was monogamous like 100% until I met my wife. Mm -hmm. Because up to that point, I, as you know, I had terrible luck with relationships. I, I never had a long-term relationship, let alone never even had really, you know, gone far in any of these relationships, you know, intimate relationships and whatnot. And I had really always been an introvert and... I didn't even start to become more extroverted until I got into college, but to that point, like, I just didn't know really, really who I was. I was finding myself, like, I was finding what I was good at, finding, you know, what I wanted to be, like, what I was confident in myself with, and what I desired in a relationship. Like, of course, I was looking for my one person, my rock, but at the same time, like, how would I know what I truly wanted in a relationship till I started, like, getting into that? And when I met my partner, my wife, it just, everything fell into place. You know, everything clicked. And it was at that moment that for me, I realized that she's my one, she's my person. She she completes me in ways that I cannot describe. She is absolutely 100% my soulmate. And I knew that that was it for me because I felt in my heart that like, I didn't want to give my heart to anyone else. And I couldn't even imagine giving my heart to anyone else. Like. Like we've had conversations like, well, what if one of us like, you know, were to pass away and both of us are just like, we don't know like how, you know, how we would really move beyond that. Like obviously to some extent you would have to, but it's like- You continue living, but you don't- You, you lose a part of yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's how, yeah. that's how we feel, both of us. And it's mutual and like just everything is about her. Like I put her above myself. I put my kids, our kids above myself and like, how can I make her life better? How can I make the kid's life better? And and that's just, that's what completes me. So that's the moment when I was just firmly like, this is who I am, this is my identity, my relationship. For me, I, I kind of let the relationship and the person get in the driver's seat and show me what I needed and what I wanted. And that's kind of how I came to be at this moment. No, because I, I understand that feeling, right? You know, very much so. It's just interesting how you're talking about like, that feeling of fulfillment, right? And how, you know, it took having me to go through, you know, some very traumatic events in my own um, life and relationships to be able to get to a point in my expression where like being in a relationship with, you know, my two partners um, and everything like that, um, mm -hmm. it to have that level of fulfillment in a way, like you said, where it is like, how do I just show up for these people and like do everything I can to support this community? And like, mm -hmm. is it is the one thing in life I found that's truly worth it because of that quiet that in my mind that I can't give myself and being able to get tapped into and you know being able to have someone that person where I'm like fuck I'm overwhelmed right now mm -hmm. and I'm struggling right now and like have them just literally uh, instantly hop off the computer and come run over to me and hold me and be like instantly get me out of my mind uh, Uzumaki right right you know and stuff mm -hmm. like that I would do anything for that yeah and, you know and everything I do everything I can to show up for that and to live for that right you know, and be the best partner I can be. And I think that's, uh, that expression isn't, you know, just in that, that in one type of relationship, that's, you find that in whatever you find it with your partners and how you make that, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's the thing we really want to frame in like these different expressions of these different partnerships. Still that same feeling of love. I know exactly mm -hmm. where you, I connect with exactly what you were talking about. Like, 
I don't know what a life would be like if, if you know, they passed or anything like that happened. I, I don't know what that future is because they are a part of me. They're my family at this point, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, that's the, 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 the gayest and happiest celebration in the world, <laughs> I think, in any relationship, mm-hmm. right? You know, to be able to have that, those people that you figure out that, like, I believe that we're all independent agents and no one completes me. I'm, I, I can survive and I am a human, right? But right. to be able to walk with in life and to be able to experience, that's what completes life, to be able to experience it with someone else. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and to be able to, to get that full color of the picture, you mm-hmm. know. Having and different perspectives. Exactly. To be able to get my, like I said, get me out of my head for Christ's mm-hmm. sake, right? Or to, yeah. uh, it, it, mm-hmm. that's that's a universal expression. And I think that anyone can, who's in a relationship can understand that regardless of uh, uh, expression. I would agree. And I think, I mean, even before I met my wife, Tasia, like I had so many painful, short-lived relationships. And I, I, again, never really got heartbroken because I never really got too deep in these relationships. But it's just, it the constant rejection and lack of opportunities was really like, it, it, it hurt. And then it just, again, I finally found the right person. So I think both of our answers encapsulate this idea that steeps and travelers, like for Tall and myself, like, our relationships taught us what we needed to know about ourselves and how we wanted to go about our lives wouldn't you say i think that's well yeah that's a big part of it right because um you're a part of your expression like in Mm -hmm. like you know in order to um um is in uh do right action as the as the uh, bartolo says um is to be aligned in that right and you know and to be like part of that expression in how you live is to how that represents and how you interact with things those things are connected and how you choose to show up those things do matter absolutely so third question tall if you are non-monogamous how do you open your relationship if your partner is monogamous this, don't do it like I did. Um, <laughs> this is a very yeah. interesting thought experiment, and I'll flip it on myself as well. Um, so, with my current partners, um, I've been with one of them for four years and one of them for a little over a year now. For the one I've been with for four years, uh, we have been together, and uh, from very the basic beginning I described that I was non-monogamous in some way shape or form but like I said that concept has evolved a lot over time yes um over the four years of our relationship to get to a point where we're trying to figure out this healthy expression and be teammates to each other and really be on that same team because like um that uh my my partner she's uh primarily a monogamous I Mm -hmm. wouldn't say fully but she heavily identifies as monogamous right it's her uh, it's her identification and, and how she does and how she goes about the things and she has much more of those uh, feelings towards me, right? And she's still, and don't get me wrong, she's my best friend, she's my person, and I, there is nothing less about her for that. She's my partner, and she is someone who I'm committed to for the rest of my life, and I'm trying to, I get, like I said, I can't imagine a life without her. And unfortunately, um, you know, we, with a little bit of those disconnects, we, it's been hard work figuring how, how to make that work for each other and show up for each other. Um, we've been in a couple different transitions where at one point it was, I don't want to say don't ask, don't tell, but it was very much like, hey, I'm, you know, I have my uh, just uh, play partners or physical partners on the side Mm -hmm. and um, don't really have that relationship. And ultimately, as someone who is Demi, that wasn't really working for me as we went and and we grew and eventually I made a connection to someone else. Right. And I did not have the proper ways to communicate and to um, express that. And it was, I, I fucked up a lot of that transition, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I, and it caused a lot of hurt. 
you know, basically having uh, uh, someone who, with all intents and purposes, was just going to be a physical uh, relationship with, like, a, fr a friend still, mm -hmm. you know, definitely friends, but just yeah. no, nothing more. And having that escalate without even me realizing it. You know, I, I didn't realize it until actually my other partner really said something to me on a trip. Um, that how far it had escalated in like seriousness of emotion and feeling and all these different things. And that it wasn't just this uh, physical play thing with a friend anymore, but it had truly become something special, right? Right. And um, that was a change of our boundaries. That was, and that's, a, that's something I violated, and I, you know, in a way that I wasn't even truly conscious of, and um, uh, in a way that I had to really take accountability for, and to um, what, clean up my side of the street. You know, I'm not saying the mm -hmm. other side of the street was perfect either. We're we we're in a relationship with each other, but we made it work. Yeah, and we figured out how to keep showing up, and it's still not perfect, still to yeah. this day. Um, um, and because I'm in a, uh, I'm in two relationships, right, with independent people. And that's and that are connected to each other right now, and one of them for doesn't even live in the state currently, right? Right. And you soon won't be living in this state. And that I soon I'm won't in right be now. living in this state too, right? <laughs> you know. But what continuously happened, even when um, our communication was at its worst and we were in our our darkest moments together, we just kept showing up, and we kept trying, and we kept we we never we did our best to not be mean to each other and to heal and to listen to each other, right and to try and figure out how do we still be teammates uh -huh. how do we take these next steps together yes and i am so fucking proud of how far we have come in that process and how much i've had to change and grow myself because i've had to take you know accountability of my own actions and be responsible and be that partner to show up to be that good and whatever like you said to really be that difference maker right yeah so if you're someone to answer the question now in, in a simpler version yeah um if you are someone who is struggling with the concepts of non-monogamy and you are in currently a committed monogamous relationship, talk to your partner, communicate, over-communicate, figure it the fuck out. Yeah. Figure out how to set healthy boundaries with it yes. so you can figure out what those steps are. And unfortunately, like I said, I think the biggest struggle in my transition in figuring out how to get to the point I'm at now was not having the right communication tools and not being able to have a safe place to be able to express those things. as like, you know, we're figuring it out, right? Yeah, yeah. And so whether it's getting a therapist involved, well, I would think would be a great idea. You know, it's someone who's kink friendly. Kink friendly is what you want to do, not because of a sexual thing, but because they're typically the only therapists who actually have any literacy uh, when it comes to non-monogamous dichotomy because mm -hmm. they're exposed to other stuff as well. A lot of people who um, are kinking are, are non-monogamous inclusive don't actually have experience. Okay. Um, and are just willing to help and there's there's places for that and if that's your resource that's great please use right. your resources but realistically the it's the therapist and the psychiatrist who market themselves at, or put kink inclusive in there because they're used to non-traditional relationship dichotomies so those are really good people to talk to for information sources as well um yeah. but like i said talk to your partner you are teammates that is your person for in whatever context that is. And if mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out a very, very scary and dynamic shifting transition as potentially opening up a relationship might be, figure out the boundaries. Talk yes. about them and do it together as a team. You are a team. That is your person. You want yep. and that's how it needs to stay throughout it as you figure it out. Now, ultimately that can change, your relationship um, could very much change. Maybe it doesn't work out and you have to break up or maybe you just completely fundamentally change what that relationship looks like. Cool. 
right be authentic to yourself mm -hmm. and show up because that's the right human thing to do yes you can't control what others do but you can control what yourself does right. and if that's not if you are someone who that's a hard no honor that yeah that's absolutely. not for everyone and you should respect that if you are someone who that is not something i can handle in a certain way cool mm -hmm. okay that's okay fine we have to figure it out then then we have to figure it out right but you know if you're willing to show up and have that flexibility I, there's a lot of accommodations and a lot of ways forward when you actually show up and you listen to your partner, I found. That is really good advice, Tal. I would actually say to, to kind of flip the question and, and look at look at things from the other side. My wife and I, like we, we consider the foundation of our relationship is communication. From the very beginning, we have always talked. Like we actually have this running gag that since the day we first became a thing, We've, in some shape or form, whether it's talk, text, or something else, we've communicated every day. And we communicate about difficult things sometimes, mm -hmm. too. And, and we have really deep conversations. We're open-minded. We've, we've, like, you know, had thought experiments about where we want to go in the future and things we want to do. And and you need to have that vulnerability and that communication to, to navigate those conversations. I, I would agree with that. And I think that just putting myself in someone's shoes that was monogamous and their partner came to them as non-monogamous, obviously, you know, that can be challenging because you might feel some feelings of inadequacy. Like you might think initially like, okay, am I not enough for this person? But I think what you need to do is again, be open-minded and communicate with your partner about why do they feel this way? What, what, what is driving that decision? Because again, people don't just make decisions that deeply impact themselves and other people if not for like a compelling reason and i think that's why you have to really be open-minded communicate with your partner and and see where they stand and, and and everything like that because at the end of the day you can't make assumptions you have to find the common ground and like you said tall like if it doesn't work out like they can go their separate ways but you know my partner and i we, we have also again nothing related to you know this idea of opening a relationship but but we navigate some really tough conversations where i felt strongly about something and she was surprised by it and we had to really navigate to find that common ground but we're so happy we did because it, it took a lot of like work it does it took a lot of relationships work, do <laughs> but when you're in a relationship with the right person it shouldn't feel like work right? no but it's it's like i never stopped loving them Exactly. Even in the hard work, I always that was never a question. I love them to, like to my core. It's like how, but like the stress of figuring it out sometimes is a heavy weight, and you should acknowledge that. You don't think that relationships are all just walking through the you know no. the easy breezy cover girl. It take work, y'all. Yeah. We all know that, and especially. And I want to really emphasize the point in non-monogamy. When you're in relationships with multiple people, that's respecting multiple people's agency and doing that same work with yes. multiple people now too. Yes. It's not just like, oh, I get to be some harem master or something like that, or mm -hmm. I get to be some whatever. And to be, that's where a lot of the toxic part of the culture that really pisses me off comes mm -hmm. from, right? No, you are showing up for people. Show up for fucking people. That is your partner, right? And I'm yes. very passionate about that, as you as, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think that it's important to recognize that I think as humans, there is no one person that fills everyone's needs. That's not possible mm -hmm. and that's not fair for them. That would be so unfair if one person was specifically made just to fill my needs. Right. That is, is that a human? <laughs> you know, yeah. at that point, mm -hmm. you know, to remove some agencies that much, right? There's real questions about mm -hmm. that stuff. I see what you're saying because like there, like I think everybody can go about it a different way. Like if you're monogamous, obviously that other person can't fulfill every single need that you have. So it's like, 
how do you address that need? Is it through some type of mechanism process or in your case, like, is it like other people are fulfilling very distinct niches that you have with your heart? Well, and I think even in monogamous culture, it's like just having a good, healthy friend network. Yes. Right. You know, you don't you shouldn't just have just your partner. And I think we all kind of conditioned because of COVID. Mm -hmm. We're all kind of like that now. Yeah. A little bit yeah. where we're all kind of trying to figure out how to navigate <laughs> quasi codependency. That's um, a really good point. But like to mm -hmm. be it's that genuine thing, like our friendship fulfills a different need than I do the, with uh, you and Antasia. Yeah. Just as your friendship for me fulfills a different need than my need with my partners. Yeah. Right. That's what that's all it's that's all relationships yes. are. Is, is and like that's part of being a healthy human is mm -hmm. having these different and diverse relationships yep. now in my expression you know mine are just a little bit more um uh, two of those expressions inherently are now uh, i share a physical expression with too as well which is uncommon in a lot of the other part of our society right right that's fundamentally the only difference i see it yeah. on, a, on, a, on on that level right on in that way of framing it is like i've now made it just a certain kind of commitment to not just that one person as a lot of people do in our society right yeah but you know it's still a relationship yeah it's still showing up for them and it's still having positive friendships it's yep. still working with you know and on top of that working with metas that you know i might not always agree with and might mm -hmm. have strong feelings of or right. metas i really like right yep. you know it can go both ways you know there's different yep. dichotomies to these things and just like every little otis every relationship is that beautiful little flower beautifully put tall beautifully put and mm. i you know mm. i wasn't thinking about it that way initially mm. but you're right like friendships do also fill a very specific niche again like a broad spectrum a broad color wheel of relationships mm -hmm. right as we talked about early on in this episode and for me it's it's like yeah like i can talk to my friends about some things that you know while i could talk to Tasia about it she wouldn't care like like you know like there's episodes that we have done on my podcast that like Tasia's just like over my head you know yeah like that's the point like there's like we can talk about nuclear fusion and on a on literally uh, <laughs> a, a particle level and like try to have our, our nerd uh, fun with that you yep. know same thing with my partner like you know I go back to Danny or Rachel and they're all just like cool yeah <laughs> that sounds awesome <laughs> and they're like thanks for the support that's all i wanted though that's all i need right yeah. where i have a relationship yes. with you where i can mm -hmm. where we take our sustainability classes together exactly. right and stuff like that like that's being a holistic healthy human and, and despite tasia not having any interest in some of my episodes whatsoever and in some of like my interests in general and hobbies like she always loves and supports me regardless she's just your teammate. partners too yeah exactly right? that's what that's the difference right that's the different that's the need there now mm -hmm. that i still understand that i can go off and be a dumb goofball with you <laughs> and they are still gonna love me and have that support right that's absolutely that's the different dynamic then now we're talking about individual dynamic needs of partnerships right yes. and the difference of relationships which is a little bit more complex than what we're going to get into in this episode but like there's a lot of theory on that and there's a lot of like i said you can read a lot of interesting stuff on it absolutely all right so now we're gonna get our fourth question here what boundaries do you set with your partners mm -hmm. so i'm, I'm going to always just try to be respectful mm -hmm. um of um them um, of both rachel and danny um and their, their things so i won't go too far into it but one of the big ones is um i'm in a place right now where i'm really taking the time right to figure everything out um and to heal and be in a healthy place with them the biggest one right now i have is we, i'm not having i'm not on the market 
I'm not looking for new partners. And that's the biggest myth I wanted to dispel that I'm just out there trying to, you know, bang everyone, <laughs> you know, and everything right. like that. Mm -hmm. I might be, you know, someone who has a high sexual drive and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and it's very celebratory of that expression. I like my people. Yes. I'm very satisfied in my personal private dynamics when it comes to my physical relationships. Um, I have no desire to have um, new um, physical relationships outside of, you know, within the context of my relationships and how that individual play and um, um, expression might be. Right. Um, but I don't want, I, I'm, I'm content. I'm very, like you said, that fulfillment you feel. I am, mm -hmm. so, I, I'm so happy. I am ecstatic. I am finding these expressions and I'm finding so much joy in that. And it's scary and it's hard and there's a lot of moving parts to figure out, but I am so happy with that. And, mm -hmm. and same thing with my partners, right? Yeah. And as we're trying to figure out the goals and trying to, as I'm working together um, um, on the next steps of moving forward, right? Trying to go at one of my partner's pace, making sure I'm going respecting their agency and what they are communicating to me. That's a huge one in the boundaries, right? It's just yes. making sure I'm showing up and respecting to where they're at and their things. Mm -hmm. um, a big one for me is I'm a needy bitch. <laughs> I need communication, um, and I make. Unfortunately, like I said, um, one of my partner dynamics right now is a, a long distance relationship, mm -hmm. and it's um, you know as we go through our own challenges with you know different um, things in life and getting busy in life and different stresses and different weights, you know sometimes it's hard to communicate, right? And you know uh, one of the boundaries is making sure that we have that daily communication, right? And you know and, and that and those affirmations and you know having them show up for me and you know validate those boundaries and you know and everything like that because. Boundaries aren't a bad thing. Boundaries are tools that you use in relationships yes. to validate each other. Yes. They're like, that's how you be a teammate to someone mm -hmm. and not just control everything. Yes. Boundaries, how I look at it is how you protect yourself. It's the rules that you place on your relationship. Each party in the relationship places to protect themselves. It's how I can say I love you. Yeah. It's exactly. how I can be like, yeah, okay, let me respect this and figure this out to figure out how I can get there. Yes, and there. this is actually a plug to the last episode that I just put out called Love is Unconditional, where Tasia and I actually talked about essentially why you should have boundaries put in your relationship, where if you cross those boundaries and it violates you, you can leave the relationship, or and that should be just, normalized. Or consequences. Yeah, and there's, there's, or there's, there's consequences. There's consequences to action. A boundary, to, like, I have, like I said, I have violated plenty of boundaries in my relationship. I've mm -hmm. had boundaries violated by me. Yes. We, there's consequences, and you work on them, and you grow. And yes. that's why you said new ones. I'm, you know what I'm not trying to do? Intentionally violate boundaries. That's when it gets to abuse and yes. stuff like that. That's now you've gone into a new relationship right. where, like you said, get the fuck out and leave, right? That's normalize yeah. that leave. Yeah. You, you deserve better. Yes. You know, but like um, you should have a very much normalization mm -hmm. where it's like, no, these boundaries, have, boundaries have consequences. You shouldn't get yeah. walked over and you should respect those and honor those things. Because like I said, not only are they safeguards the tools to keep you safe in a relationship, mm -hmm. they're how you can use to grow. Yes. Boundaries are in place because it's inherently at a place of discomfort. It's something yeah. that doesn't feel right or it hurts or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. And that could be in like a protecting the relationship way and protecting your emotions in a monogamous sense, like you said, of yeah. just simply not sleeping with other people. Yeah. Or it could be literally in a sense of like, um, hey, I am having a certain emotional trigger right now. And this something is, is really sensitive to me. Can we not talk about this in this context in this mm -hmm. way? That's a boundary. That's a tool used to support and shape. And then you know what you can do? Show up to your partner and listen to that boundary and respect them is showing telling them, I yes. love you. I hear you. Absolutely. I'm working with you. I'm on the team. That is what those things. And you know what? While, yes, you need to have some individual hard boundaries that are personal, the best boundaries in relationships are definitely the ones that you work on and agree to together. 
and you find out what works for you guys. That is ultimately what is always going to be the strongest boundary is the one that you both nurture and water together. Yes. So I will say from my monogamous perspective, I think that some of my boundaries wouldn't surprise anybody. Like we're not in an open relationship, yep. so we're not sleeping with other people. We're very okay with having friends of the opposite sex, but again, nothing that would cross the line mm -hmm. of being, you know, anything beyond just being friends. We don't lie to each other. That That's a very, very strong boundary that we have. We're very honest, we're very open, and we talk to each other about anything. So, but but without judgment, we, we reserve judgment and we, we make sure that we're Real being quick, there for each that's other. That's a hard relationship thing. Learning how to like listen as not a partner, but like just as a non-judgmental person. And like, sometimes I'm just your friend in this moment. Sometimes I'm just your event space in this moment. And sometimes yeah. I'm not your husband in your case, right? Sometimes yeah. it's just that authentic listening. And that is, that is a skill. Yeah, and that's even something that we're still working on. It's like, there, there's moments we've struggled. Like, again, this challenging moment that I alluded to earlier. Again, I'm not going to go into the intimate details, but, like, my my wife didn't react to it great the first time. But as we continue to talk about, you know, this challenge, she became a lot more receptive to it and a lot more understanding. And it was something we were able to work past and, again, find that common ground. Well, because you're able to hear why she's reacting negatively and understand mm -hmm. why that is and figure out how to approach it in a way that's a team. It's it's yeah. it's because there's an adverse reaction does, isn't necessarily it. If it's mean, it's one thing. But if it's yes. just have an adverse reaction, that's fine. You don't have to like everything and agree with exactly. everything. Use that conflict as a point to figure out, like, OK, how do we show up as a team together and mm -hmm. listen to each other? My wife and I, we have had to grow so much as you know, not just a romantic, intimate couple, but also parents. Like, it's yeah. been a huge challenge for us. I couldn't us. imagine, man. I couldn't. That's a whole other level of communication, man. And we're, we're a team. We are yeah. a rock solid team. We're rock star parents. But it to get to this point, it, it takes even more work than a relationship because now you have to put consequences and rules in place for other people. And you have to be aligned with your partner because you can't just totally throw them under the bus and override them because now you're you have a chaotic parenting dynamic where the inmates are running the asylum. No, you need to be a team. Yeah, you need to be unified and, and, and have that solidarity. So that's very important. Let's get into our next question. Let's do Tal, it. What expectations do you have for your partners? Show up. Show up for me. That is it. That is my expectation for my partners. Plain and simple. Um, everything else can be figured out. I, believe. I love it. Um, if it, as long as we keep showing up for each other, I think we can figure it out. Um, I have different expectations for them because they're different people. Mm -hmm. I have different relationships with them. Um, as I want to, you know, as we continue to figure out, move forward, and hopefully move towards more of those again daily relationships and not having especially a long distance dynamic, right, and everything like that. The expectation is, you know, like just within any relationship, I want to be treated with respect and kindness and yeah. not my teammate. I want I want my person to be safe too. I want someone to grow with and walk with in life. Absolutely. Um, in both, obviously, in both contexts and uh, both relationships, it's changed. Those expectations have changed in different dichotomies as the relationship changes, right? Mm -hmm. I'm currently, we're currently in a position where they're, um, you know, like I said, having uh, a, a transition from having open partnership uh, potential to not having any open partners, that's a, that's an expectation right there, 100%. Yeah. You know, and the expectation of that we'll, we'll um, communicate and show up for each other or like just the ways that I show up in my daily dynamic, whether it's the chore responsibilities, right? All those individual human dynamic expectations too. But fundamentally, what makes them different than like my friendships and my, the other kind of relationships I have mm -hmm. is I expect them to show up for me in that intimate way that is just on, on that human level that I don't expect other people to. Right. Right. And I don't expect them to be 
the biggest thing for me is, um, in my growth, is now not expecting them to be what I think they should be in that moment. Right. But just loving and accepting whatever that expression is of them in that moment and how they're showing up for me, right? Yeah. You know, and just because they, they, I love them. I don't want the idealized version of them that I create. I want the one that gets me out of my head and that makes that made me fall in love, right? That, everything like that, that is such a good point because it's like you're not placing unrealistic expectations on your partners where you're expecting them to always be a certain way. You're just expecting them to come to the table and be present with you and, yes. and be themselves. That is such a fundamental expectation that I love because you're not like like if you're expecting your partner to like always, you know, do this certain thing every day like like maybe you're expecting them to always clean the dishes some some days they're not going to get to clean the dishes honey with Are how stressed mad at this, them? this world is and with our collective <laughs> mental health oh the dishes take a few days sometimes <laughs> yeah oh they do they definitely the do laundry and, can, yeah yeah we we've definitely my wife and i we just have like this trademark look at each other it's like not getting done tonight <laughs> it's no. not happening it yeah. may not happen for days yeah. but it's and gonna it's, happen and, it, and you know what's so funny is it doesn't matter what level you're like for instance clay cleanliness needs are like i'm at a higher need than some one of my partners when it comes to it i'm much more anal too just like and we understand mm -hmm. you understand that dichotomy yeah. even though i know you're even more than me right yeah. um <laughs> but it's still that same feeling regardless of what your expression is of it i understand exactly what you're talking about right yes. where it's like that sometimes where it's just you know mm, okay yeah <laughs> you just gotta roll with it but like I think that's all we can I think that's the only fair expectation to ask of someone and honestly and that was kind of um, outside of like you said those little daily like human like human things that we do that are I do my best to be unconscious of right right they're truly what I am asking and my expectation of them um, on a conscious level is I need you to show up for me yeah. just as like I know that's the expectation of me though too it's the expectation I hold myself to is like mm -hmm. okay I might not be able to be physically present in the moment or I might need to take a moment or whatever like that, but I will show up for you when I, that is what you get. You get that more right. so than any other of the people in this world. You, that yeah. I, you get my undivided attention, right? You get that. I will, you are that first thought, right? You mm -hmm. are those people. <laughs> it's just, you know, that's, that's what it means to be for me, right? You know, in mm -hmm. that before everyone else, right? Before all else in a healthy, as healthy as possible, you know, try not to sacrifice the weight of the all and all that stuff. And those weird existential thought experiments that I like to get into, but yeah. like, whatever I can do to show up and to make that be that difference, that is the expectation, right? Because I think that's fundamentally what loving love is. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a really good point. Really good point. I would say for me, my expectations of my partner is obviously don't violate my boundaries. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good one right there. Rule number one, don't violate my boundaries. Rule two is I expect my wife to always communicate with me. And in like, that is part of, you know, we form these boundaries, you know, obviously, you know, don't go sleeping with other people, don't lie, all this other stuff. But the expectation is that we communicate so we are not only always in the know of, of what we're able to accomplish in that moment, but also like we know how each other is feeling, we can navigate difficult conversations. It's just a, a way, it's a mechanism for us to always be on the same page. Well, and you said something so fucking important, dude, um, mm -hmm. because of the difference of the expectation of not just the boundaries, People fuck up on boundaries. Mm -hmm. People cheat. I'm not accusing you or, yeah. or anything oh, like that. But like, 
a lot of people cheat. It's super... Way too many. It's like, I think that is one of the reasons why I know non-monogamy is so much more prevalent in our world is just because mm -hmm. so many people find themselves in unsatisfactory monogamous relationships. Yeah. I'm not here to exclaim everyone's gay and, um, and non-monogamous <laughs> or anything like that. But, right. it's the, but because of the cultural weights, like I said, it's we talked about at the beginning of our, our culture. culture, there's a lot more of it than is prevalent in our society. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. I, I um, feel like there are people that are only identifying with a particular gender and identifying as monogamous because society is telling well, them they and, have and to. think of the joke of like you know like that 70s show is the swingers party episode right mm -hmm. and all this stuff it's there's there's like there's part of there's a lot of people in our culture who like play with their partners with other partners and stuff right. like that there's a lot and, and that, that is be normalized a, and, and and it does need to be normalized that mm -hmm. is both you could that is um a, a non-monogamous expression in a monogamous relationship mm -hmm. that is which is a normal which is fine that's totally okay I will say, my wife and I, we've had conversations about this before. We celebrate other people that choose to make decisions that suit them. As long as it's a healthy relationship yeah. dynamic, who cares? Have fun. Who cares? The relationships are supposed to be fun. These are my best friends. I want to have fun with them. And, you know, we're adults. Right. Sometimes that's adult activities. Exactly. Exactly. And there's, exactly. You should not shame that. Mm -hmm. You know, and obviously it doesn't need to be some perverse thing and, or anything like that. And I think that we need to have a lot of healthy conversations about what that adult culture is. Um, yeah. But man, we're all adults here. We all like to do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. And you know what? Actually, no, I should say that. If you are asexual and you do not have any kind of representation, you are more than valid. And that is a totally justified thing. And you can still have more than meaningful experiences and relationships. As an adult, you get to do what you want to do within Any, whatever the uh, looks conditions like. yep. that you were mm -hmm. in. Amen right? to that. I will. That's whatever scripture that is. I'll sign off on. <laughs> <laughs> is it in the Bardo Total? <laughs> I'll let you know if I get to it anywhere in there. <laughs> Sounds good. Next question: What is your ideal day-to-day -day life with your partners? Uh, my ideal day-to-day -day life is to have a daily relationship with them. Um, I want to somehow get out of a, a, an office corporate structure so I can spend as much time in celebrating life and gay adventures as possible. Like under w one roof? That's a complicated question. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't have that answer because um, I'm so mindful of respecting their individual agency. Mm -hmm. And like I said, um, one of my, my uh, the partner I'm currently living with, who I've been with um, for four years now, you know, I want to be so make sure respectful of her agency, especially because she is someone who um, isn't as uh, non-monogamous as me. Very and um, I, uh, that that space matter, as we know, as we've talked about in many different contexts now, mm -hmm. whoever, whatever that sacred space is for you really matters a lot. Yes. And so making sure that I respect whatever that space for her really, really, really matters to me. Yeah. Um, uh, now, obviously, my ideal situation is to honestly have like uh, a house and like me uh, like on some property and have like a mother-in-law kind of you know, you know that kind of thing where I can, yeah. we can have that so everyone can have their space respected. Yeah. And, and that's my ideal situation. It's going to take a lot of work to get there, and me showing up and figuring out how to do that possible though, right? Because yeah. I have two people who are in independent places, and I want to make sure that I show up for them. But I know what my need is to have those daily relationships at some point. Yeah. That is not, and you know, that isn't, and that's what's been expressed and that's what's been communicated and that's what we're taking the time to figure out how to get to. Yeah. Um, and doing it in a healthy way possible, right? Because yeah. um, <laughs> I, I couldn't think of anything happier. That's awesome. Um, I couldn't think of anything happier than being able to have uh, the people who I think are the most worth the people I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. um, and the people who when I'm scared and 
don't know what to do, uh, who, uh, when I'm hurting myself in my mind and I go into all those crazy places that my mind likes to go to, mm -hmm. who give me just quiet just by looking up at me, you know? Yeah. There's nothing, I think, more worth it in this life than that connection and uh, that expression. And uh, whatever it takes to be able to figure out what that daily relationship is my ideal, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what that ideal looks like. It's, it's, it involves it's people outside of me, and it's evolving. Mm -hmm. It, but it's what makes life worth living. But right? I know what I know what it feels like. Yeah, I very much know what it feels like now, and I am doing the steps to figure out whatever it takes to get there. You know, unfortunately, yeah. I'm not. We're not there yet. It's going to take a lot more work, and that's okay. Well, I'm, and, I'm sure, regardless of the arrangement, I'm sure just not having to do long distance would probably at be some point, a start. Oh, uh, yeah, when we get to that point, that's going to be a very very exciting thing. Whenever that um, transition happens, um, you know. But sometimes. Life uh, throws you some monkey wrenches, right? And you know what? You make it work for the people that you know are worth it. You know, and you show up and you figure out how to, because they will do the same exact thing. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, um, I am so grateful that we live in a day and age where my needy ass can um, get that <laughs> daily communication. Right. Because uh, for most of human history, it just wouldn't have been possible. And for most of mm -hmm. human history, if I wanted to go on the adventures and the, the things that I want to do, I would have had been gone from months years from yeah. my house at a time exactly you know and i'm afforded the luxury now where yeah it really sucks having to be a state away and it really you know, i don't want to sugarcoat that at all anyone who's in a long distance relationship understands that it sucks yeah but you know what if uh you make it work for those people and you know what because they're like i said i firmly believe that uh you put the effort in and if they put the effort into you'll figure out how to make those accommodations and take it one step at a time to get to those destinations. It might not be exactly what you think it is and it's going to evolve a heck of a different ways, right? Mm -hmm. And you just take it one step at a time. That's all you need to worry about. Spot on. Well, I think for me, my ideal day-to-day -day life, it, I obviously I've experienced it for some time now. You know, my wife and I, we have two kids, but I mean, for me, it's just being able to get work done and still have time to dedicate to the kids mm -hmm get stuff done around the house, get projects done and spend time with my wife. Like I really like to partition out my day. So, and leaving some time for myself, you know, like I, I like to partition my day out such that I'm, I'm fulfilling these needs by watering the different plants in my garden. Yeah. Right. Like that's yeah. how I look at it. And I get very burnt out and very frustrated when there's a particular plant in said garden that's taking up a lot of my energy, a lot of my water, a lot of my time. For instance, like if, if work is a lot, you know, that could be frustrating. Or if there's just a lot of work I have to put in, it's something that's taken away from my own well-being or, or like my ability to spend quality time with my kids or my wife, like that could be a very frustrating season. But we navigate through it. And, you know, again, ideal day-to-day -day life is just having the a perfect amount of time, even though it's so idealistic, to fulfill those needs each and every day and, and go to bed at night feeling whole. Well, and I think you touched on something that's really important again. The idealistic thing is just having that relationship in not only a healthy way, but in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. You know, and where you where you find your value, and just uh, it is so rewarding. One that you you I, I I let me let me brag about Jared here real quick, y'all. Oh, stop! <laughs> he has the most adorable relationship with him and his wife. They are in my, uh, me and my partner um, like to say that you are truly living the most healthy version of the American dream. And it's through hard work. 
Mm-hmm. It's through communication. You're very open about how you, when you, you said when you go through your seasons, you talk about it on your podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's. I, mean, I wanted to say you just you, you, you take everything busy, but you you challenge yourself, like you said, to grow and be a healthier person, and that's why you get to experience this idealistic thing because you're doing that effort and everything like that. And I think I want to say it's not just because of uh, uh, whatever different things, but you, know, you you guys have done the work, and you should be very proud of being able to. That your, your biggest thing is just trying to figure out how to make sure that balance. That is so hard. It is. And like it's so rewarding to see how you've grown and you've developed and what those commitments mean to you and uh, that happiness that it, it's it just brings forth in you. Thank you. Yeah, it, that really does mean a lot to me, Tall. Always. I really appreciate it. Always. Well, you do the work, man. I didn't do that. I didn't do that for you. That's your life. Yeah, I mean, you got to put the work in to make those relationships work. Yeah. Right. Hundred percent. And you, oh, you dove for head first. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, sure. you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from day one, I think everyone knew that I was hooked. Oh, you probably got it. <laughs> it's still there, buddy. They're still there. Well, let's get into our next question as we get to the tail end of this episode here. So how do you deal with conflict in your partnerships? Oh, not perfectly. Because, I'm, you know, I'm a human and I don't think I've handled everything perfectly. One of the biggest things that I've been working on this past year is learning how not to be defensive and to just mm-hmm. like actually listen to my partner because I got um, at some point in my transition, me and my partner st- um, um, stopped being teammates. Like I said, like, you know, in that transition, you know, and figuring everything out because of all the stress that life was bringing us and then like me fumbling in these transitions, right? We, we had to figure out how to be teammates again. Yeah. Um, and so there was fights in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was times where, we, you know, where those conversations were pulled over on the side of the road and like, what are we talking about right now? Right. You know, yeah. and like had to like sit down because like I had to pull over because we were so focused on the conversation. And it was so intense and couldn't drive anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Showing up. Communicating. Listening. You know, those are the individual like actual mechanisms that made it possible, like yeah. I said, and that's why I'm so hard on communicating them throughout this episode. Yeah. Um, but like I said, for me, like my individual experience has really been working on the defensive. I'm not, I try not to be, I'm, I think I'm not typically a mean person. I actually think I'm a really nice person mm-hmm. for the most part, but like I can understand when I get burnt out and I've, I'm frustrated because I feel like I'm, um, uh, some, some slight from, uh, or some little disconnect from my partner or something mm-hmm. like that. And then I just say something resentful that's like just some passive comment. Why did I say that? I don't want to be mean to my partner, even when I'm in that thing. So it's that right. it's challenging that dichotomy I've been working mm-hmm. on, right? You know, where it's been like, you know, instead of saying some just dumb, stupid, passive thing that means nothing. And but it's, you know, intrinsically hurtful and for whatever reason. Right. And it's a point of disconnect because I don't feel good you know, about whatever and showing up and really challenging myself to be like, no, like, what are they saying? And listening, you know, again, active listening is such an important part of relationships. Um, I think that also when we have disagreements, it's, it's being okay with being mad, mad at the other person. And by being frustrated, you have to, I have, I have emotions. It's okay to feel them. It doesn't change the fact that we're still teammates. Yes. Let me, let me figure, you know, take the space to process, Mm -hmm. you know, listening or whatever it needs to be to have those different things. Right. And uh, like I said, it all goes back to active listening so I can respond to what is the individual needs of the moment, whether it's myself or for my partner. Yeah. You touched on some really good points. And honestly, I don't think I could have said it better myself, like just how you described your conflict resolution process. And I, I think even for my wife and I, it looks much the same. 
I mean, as, again, as I alluded to earlier in, in the episode here, like, you know, my wife and I, we've had our fair share of challenges and in arguments and things like that. And, you know, I know on the outside, people see us as like the this, you know, ethereal American dream couple. But again, every relationship has its challenges. It but we the, the difference is what, what separates us from other relationships that aren't successful is that we put the work in to get over those conflicts. Like we both have a thirst to resolve conflicts. We just sometimes handle it in different ways. You know, we really work on not being defensive and mm -hmm. not being childish or anything. But, you know, I'm somebody that I really like to talk, talk, talk about it. Like, I don't want to stop talking yeah. about it until we work through keep it. Keep analyzing, keep analyzing yes. it. And sometimes the partner does not want that. And you yes. have to take that step back. My wife is the opposite. She, when she senses that she's getting frustrated and that she could lash out, she walks away from the situation and is like, I will come back to it when I've calmed down. And it's taken, like early in our relationship, we really struggled with that because we actually had some real arguments where it was like, man, I just took that too far. Mm -hmm. And, you like know, making the mountain out of the molehill, mm -hmm. where it's like, that's no longer, the fight became something that was no longer about the original disconnect. Now it's like yes. about the fight itself and how you treated each other in that fight. Right. Because you, you, not saying you said anything abusive or anything mm -hmm. actually mean, but like just that passive put downs that you put in and those frustrating conversations is, right. is real. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, of course, one, one fight, you know, she went over to her parents and, and she's like, girl, like, I just walked out and she came back of course like the same day but it was just like you know that was a, a learning moment for us and then now when we have any disagreements like we kind of take that middle ground where it's like we'll talk about it in the moment but when we sense we're getting that point where it's like hey we're we're, we're starting to go towards more of an argument rather than a conflict okay resolution hit the pause button we hit the pause mm -hmm. button we come back to it with a fresh mind like we we again this conflict that i was alluding to earlier that we had i was talking her through this at one point and she just she she literally just had to get herself up and go to bed and then we talked about it like the next day and then we talked about it a few weeks later and we we started getting on a healthy path to find that common ground it's okay to go to bed mad yeah it's okay to go to bed frustrated i want to get rid of that culture that you had to figure it all out that night because sometimes mm -hmm. you do not have the spoons and there is yes. no way that you are going to be having a healthy conversation that night anymore yeah and i i've actually really had to work on that yeah. myself because I, it's hard when my, my parents really instilled mm -hmm. in me this idea that you don't go to bed mad and i've had to learn that it's okay to be mad at you, your partner you, but you always go to bed as their teammates still yes that's you, the difference you don't give up you you always have that love and respect and admiration for them and you always have that thirst for conflict resolution but in that moment it's okay to disagree mm -hmm. it's okay to be mad whether it's the smallest thing or the largest thing like you have your own agency right you have to defend and yourself but in a way where you're working with your partner to address it. And because there's like a lot of, it, 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 the taking that time to process things is healthy. Like in, the, in those moments, yes. you, uh, there's been plenty of times where you get so overwhelmed where you don't know what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, when you're dealing with the complex, intimate, heart-wrenching stuff of a relationship stuff, it can be rough. Yeah. And you can, it takes, you know, sometimes it takes, like you said, weeks, months to process mm -hmm. those feelings and to understand yeah. how those things actually feel for you. Yeah. And but what it what it what it tucks even when you're taking those moments and it's important to like what you said is to show up and listen to your partner and give them the space or to talk about it, to meet them where their communication's at and where their needs are at. That's what it means by showing up. And that's 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 a great example of what we keep kind of preaching here. Right. And what we mean by show up is like, no, that's that's what it's okay to have in, in those moments of conflict. We're humans. 
you know, even my even on the greatest teams, NBA teams, the greatest professional teams at all time, they get in fights, right? Yes. Not everyone gets along with each other. Now, obviously, in my personal dichotomy, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be with my best friend in, yep. in a very intimate way, and that's pretty pretty dope. And but mm -hmm. even then, we get it. We like to we like to annoy each other. We love to, <laughs> we love to annoy each other. Yeah. Oh, that that's that that could be part of a relationship for sure. Even even my wife and I, we love to razz each other, but we are also a part of that lucky, fortunate group that we consider ourselves to be our number ones. We're yeah. our best friends. We're, we're yeah. each other's best friend. And I think that's one of those big things is like when I talk about like it's so hard for me is because like in, when I talk about the culture is because there is no representation of non-monogamy. Like I don't have a word to say they're my one. Mm -hmm. But like I don't have a way to express them outside of that in, in, in a relationship. That's a really which good is, point. Which is hard, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where it's just like uh, it's just those little weird cultural things that you don't think about until you're in it, right? And it takes that direct empathy. But um what the why so why I've come to it because I'm someone who is a relationship anarchist you know for the most part titles I really didn't think mattered to me until I really got into this uh, and then understanding like oh wait since there is not a lot of these cultural representations actually signifying what it means to my relationship and having that time to have that definition matters yeah so that's where you know I'm not currently a lot of the process I'm figuring out right is how I uh, show up and um, have that agreed context and that agreed definition and be able to show up to those commitments yeah I completely understand. I do. All right, Tall. Well, let's do a rapid fire of these last three questions okay. so we could wrap up here. When do you feel fulfilled in your partnerships? At what point do you feel fulfilled? I don't know what moment it was. Like I said, there's it 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 it, it goes. It's it's a wave thing, right? Because that's that's a challenge of being fulfilled um, from an addict standpoint is an, an interesting concept. Understood. But at the same time, just from a human life concept, like that's my, I think fulfillment for me looks like being balanced, right? Now, um, at a certain point, I don't know when it when it came in um, in the recent past, but really feeling like I was a teammate to both of them, like, oh my, just unlocked a different heart level, right? Where it's yeah. just like the level of security I have in myself to like, uh -huh. and everything like that. Like, that's how I've learned how to like challenge my gender and like to come by my own expression and like to be able to do these things is because of that the security I feel because of that. That's yeah. when I feel fulfilled is when I can have the, and really, really when I really feel fulfilled is when I get that daily relationship. Yeah. You know, ultimately when I can see my people and mm -hmm. like have it, you know, when I don't have to worry about the, the different weights of life and those different, um, different, uh, stigmas, both external and internal to my relationships. Right. Right. And the different weights that I have to carry externally and internally in those relationships again, right? Yeah. When I just get, to, you know, I think just as anyone, when I get just that day with them, right? And mm -hmm. I, uh, it's just a quiet little picturesque day where, you know, maybe we didn't even get out of bed and uh, <laughs> all, we did was get, uh, all, all we did was go out to run and get uh, Filberto's or, you know, whatever <laughs> it might be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being able to have those quiet moments. And I have that sense of security connection and those things like that. That's when I feel fulfilled. And that's ultimately when I feel the quietest in my head, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's, and at the same time, the most alive, right? That's when I feel like I'm truly living, actually. Yeah. That's very special. Yeah. And I'm really glad that's you touched on I'd that. I'd fight for anything for it, right? Yeah. It's because it is, I, I found nothing more special. I just, uh, in, when, as you know, as I like to uh, go into the different Uzumakis and the different, mm -hmm. um, uh, collective my my thought experiments and my different esoteric stuff that's the only thing that I've ever come back to that showed me what's real again and again and again yeah because that's outside of myself and you're constantly striving for that fulfillment mm -hmm. 
That's beautiful. Working towards it, at least. Very beautiful. I think for me, I knew that I was fulfilled in my relationship. And that's something, again, I learned about myself is there was a moment, again, I can't tell you exactly when. There was a moment where, of course, we got out of the honeymoon phase and we're in this long-term partnership. We've really opened up to each other. But I would say it's the moment where I just felt like I could truly 100% be my authentic self, say what's on my mind, talk about literally anything, even the stuff that troubled me, the stuff that I was just curious about, the stuff that I maybe might get judged by other people for saying, where I could just be authentic and, and question stuff and ask things and, you know, be real open and, and joke around and, and things like that. And, and she just got it and she just understood me. And it, it made me feel really awesome because I was able to have a level of vulnerability that was reciprocated. And when I was able to finally be my true self and I felt like I wasn't trying to stay composed or anything, that's when I felt truly fulfilled in my relationship. Because it's, you reach that moment, right? You mm -hmm. just eventually, that's why I said, it's hard for me to pick an exact date because all of a sudden I just kind of remember like this overwhelming feeling just kind of radiate over me. I'm like, wow, actually I do feel this. And it, like, I felt this for a minute now. Right, right, absolutely. All right, so the second to last question I have for you, Tall, what is the end goal of your partnerships? I think we, I think that I can, we've already kind of talked about this. Um, so I'm going to keep it nice and simple to just live a happy life with them and to be able to get out of the the cycles that keep us all so weighed down and to actually try and build something better. You know, I'm very motivated by those different things and I found um, some people who gave me the strength to actually want to live this life and make it a better place. And um, so obviously in the transitions and the moves and everything like that, but I think the goal is the same as anyone. I just want to be happy and have my own little life with them. I love it. Yeah. I love it. For me, it's, and my wife and I, we've talked about this before, it's just to to leave a lasting legacy with the yeah. kids, to, to help them grow up to lead beautiful lives. Whatever they want to do, we, we, we support them always. We love them yeah. always. Whoever they are, we won't judge. And for ourselves, we just want to grow old together. Like we want to yeah. be, we want to be that cute couple in their sixties with gray hair that's still active and healthy enough to go walk a trail in Sedona somewhere and, and have a cup of coffee and reflect on the beautiful forty years exactly, of life right? that we've lived together, that we've been privileged to share together. I want that very basic human thing that I think we all want. I want to be able to, like you said, those basic desires of just being happy with someone over that life and being able to be like, wow, look at this life we've lived. How great, how gay, how amazing, mm -hmm. how, you know, I want, I think that's, I think anyone who's uh, in love understands those feelings, whether it might be different in the individual expressions, right? Yes. But that concept, I, I can very much understand. I think it's intrinsic to the human experience. Yes. Yeah. For I, sure. I think that that's why, why, whether you're monogamous or not, like that's just, if you love the person, you kind of just want to be with them. Yeah. <laughs> First and foremost. All right, final question, Tall. This is just a thought experiment. How would you feel if you were placed in a, for you, a monogamous relationship, and for myself, a non-monogamous relationship? How how would that make you feel, and how would you handle such a I situation? I think I would handle better than you. Yeah? Yeah. I think so. I think I would handle better than you. The, the reason why is because ultimately I'm Demi. 
Yes. And I can figure out that expression in different contexts of a relationship and let it evolve. I, I'm not saying as a non-monogamous person, I have to be non-monogamous. I'm a relationship anarchist. I'm someone who, if, I, if it evolves that way, I could potentially be in a monogamous situation. That's not where my expression's at. Yes. That's not where my needs are at. That's not how it's evolved for me. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying I could figure it out. <laughs> you know, if it, right. and like I think that... Uh, having to navigate the challenges of suddenly potentially the dynamic you're in being in a non-monogamous situation depending on that partnership dynamic it could be a rough learning lesson buddy <laughs> yeah no I know I, I, I was actually gonna say I think this is of all the questions this is the biggest stinger for me because like if I just took my current relationship dynamic and just added another person like Ooh, for me I, I would I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself because I'm someone that I'm so used to just having that one that person that I'm giving my heart out to I would almost feel like just for me like a kind of guilt because I'm like how am I able to split my attention between two people how am I giving my love to them like it would be a, a challenge to get over for it's, sure and I think because you, ha- you what you talked about is you have to change your entire psychic mm-hmm. item that's why exactly because like what you're talking about you're already doing actually you're mm-hmm. doing with work you're doing with your kids you're doing it with everything else it's just how you're having that relationship be the only difference is, like I said, I have it with another person who I have a little That's bit right. heightened physical intimacy with, right? Yeah. That's, but it's still just the relationships we have out. But so, like, the biggest changes that I think you would need to go to to be successful in that dynamic, mm-hmm. if it's truly a non-monogamous situation like mine. Yeah. Or if it, I think, though, you could also be in a situation where... Maybe you and your wife just open it up to play partners. That's yeah. a non-monogamous mm-hmm. situation right there, and I don't right. think that's actually that hard of a transition for you. Right. But if it's going into, like, all of a sudden you're in some kind of meta situation, you have right. a bunch of different partners, and different <laughs> dynamics, ooh, buddy, that could be... Good luck. You're yeah. going to have to learn a lot. Yeah. <laughs> learn on the fly and adapt. And, yeah, it is such a foreign concept to me that even just thinking about it, I, I'm just, like, it changes, like, the dynamic with the kids. It changes uh-huh. dynamic with how I spend time with my you partner. You have to be a lot more mindful. there's another partner that you have to give attention to. And it's, like, your space you're occupying. Mm-hmm. Like, like all these things, their family gets different, involved. It's, it's, it's weights. And it's, I'm honestly, it's different weights. But, you know, like you said, when you find those people and you find that person, Absolutely. It's, it's the easiest thing in the world. It, it truly is. It truly is. And I, I, I think it's almost analogous, like, when I first found Tasia... And started spending more time with her you know obviously it sucked that i couldn't spend as much time with like you and and with some other you know closest friends but i made it work we made it work like like we, we still I think, have i think we all yeah. just acknowledge that nothing's changed we it just the dynamics change a little bit like how we interact may change yeah. we may just i don't leave. love you any less than the fact that it's this is our first time recording in multiple years <laughs> you know exactly. i've been holding on to that resentment you know internally but now that you've acknowledged it i can finally let go of it you know so i still i now i love you again as much no no it's i do we, uh, yeah, exactly love doesn't change love just can grow right yes. you know even my exes, I still love some of the people that hurt me very much. I'm just mm-hmm. not in a help relationship with them because I don't think I can be helped with them. I deserve better than them. I still love them. I still love you. Our dynamics has just had to change and evolve over the years. Right. It doesn't change that. When we still show up when we're for each other, when we get these moments that we're the same dumb goofballs who are trying to make YouTube <laughs> videos, right? <laughs> yep. I mean, it's just, it's all about the expression, right? Yeah, exactly. It, and the that's expression what, yes. may change. But the love doesn't. The love stays. The love grows. It, it It's like compounding interest. I've never lost love in someone. I've had it change, and I've had it hurt, and I've had it grow. But I've never stopped loving someone. What that is beautiful. not something I've experienced yet. And I'm sorry if someone has had to have that hurt and everything like that. But at least in my experience, I mean, like, you just don't. 
right? We're humans. And I think that, you know, we turn things off and we cut things off inside of ourselves, but fundamentally we all just want to connect to our people. And I just do my best to make sure I show up for that in our regards. And I think that's what we both say in our own different expressions of that. That's, that's the common language between our different ways of expressing our relationships is we're just showing up. Yep. What a beautiful and eloquent way to wrap up this episode tall. I'm really, once again, just so grateful that you came out to record with me this being as vulnerable as you were and communicating how you navigate your relationship. I, it's it's such a beautiful moment to share this space with you and out literally physically <laughs> sharing the same space. Yes. And I hope that the steeps and travelers listening to this episode have learned a lot by listening to us about how these dynamics can be done healthfully. Um, and also just thinking about like how people can be different and that's okay. And having that acceptance and that empathy and understanding that love can grow, love can evolve. Love comes in all different shapes and sizes and it doesn't have to always necessarily be romantic or intimate. Love can transcend a number of different possibilities. And I think that it's just core to who we are as human beings, like show love, show empathy, be present and just, you know, just communicate, like just, just be, be there for your mm -hmm. people. That's the most important thing. Ah, oh, Jared, thank you as always for creating uh, a space where we can figure out a new expression and that we can come together. And as always, just my dearest friend, I love you deeply to the core and thank you for always showing up in your way and growing and making me feel genuine pride in you and in the way that you've grown and evolved in this life. Steeps, thank you very much for coming with us on this descent today. Um, <laughs> and make sure to find Tall on the Descent Into Illumination podcast on Spotify thank and you. other sources. Thank you. Please, please give it a listen. Come stop by. We're, we're reading some weird books. <laughs> I, I love it. And you know what? I love you too. Oh, I love you too so much, buddy. Thanks for listening about non-monogamy. If this podcast is your cup of tea, then please leave a review and subscribe for the latest freshly brewed ice cold content. As always, let your thirst for curiosity leave you feeling enlightened. <laughs>